Send your true encounters to storiesforaries at gmail.com, and I might just read it in one of my next videos. Thanks for stopping by, and as always, thanks for listening. Two to three years ago, my immediate family, mom, dad, brother, and I, went on vacation to see the Badlands in South Dakota. It was beautiful during the day, brutally hot, but an amazing view. My family has always been interested in the wildlife of the areas we travel to, so we would take bison tours and would drive around to see any random wildlife. We saw some cool animals like a prairie owl, pronghorn antelopes, and some huge bison. At one point in the trip, we took a tour bus out to a picnic, which about 70 people were at. It was about 6 o'clock and I was kind of bored, so I wandered away from the crowd to look at a small stable near the edge of a small woods. I was wandering and petting the horses when I felt like I was being watched. I looked into the woods and I saw nothing. I brushed it off as maybe some small animals that I didn't see, but the feeling never left so I went back to the group to feel safer and I sat down at a table next to my dad. I looked back into the thin birch woods and I saw something looking at me. It was very pale and very tall, with very bony joints and beady eyes. It looked to be at least six foot nine and it looked like it was trying to be human, but didn't know how. Once it caught me looking back, it dashed back into the woods, disappearing. I was a little scared, but more interested. What was the thing I just saw? I brushed it off and continued to have fun. We left about an hour later, 7.30, back to the cabins. Some context. We were staying in small cabins in the middle of nowhere. The barn area was about half an hour drive away. And all big cities like Rapid City were an hour or two away. Nobody in my family was tired yet, so we went to see a ranger talk, where it was all about the stars and how to identify constellations. It was really fun. So as the ranger was talking, a bunch of weird howling noises started up. Everyone looked at the ranger, who seemed to not be bothered at all. He just calmly said it's the coyotes and that they wouldn't bother us. But right after he said that, a howl came up that sounded nothing like coyotes, but much deeper and more nasally. The ranger seemed a little confused, but laughed it off, saying it was the park's wild crackhead. Everyone chuckled. But the rest of the presentation, he seemed on edge. After the talk, we headed back to the cabins to start settling down. I was tired, so I changed into my pajamas and went to bed, but I didn't stay asleep for long. I woke up at 3 a.m. and laughed to myself since it was the witching hour. After trying to fall asleep for an hour to no avail, I got up and put on Shark Week on the TV. I was semi-listening to it while dozing off and looking out the window. There was a floodlight coming off of our house so I could see very clearly. A pronghorn was grazing on some very thin patches of grass about 10 yards away, but it was strange that he was alone out there, since I always saw them in herds. After watching him for about five-ish minutes, his ears perked up and looked at me. I jokingly smiled and waved at it, and sweet Christ above, the thing smiled back at me. I wish I was joking and could say I hallucinated it, but I was wide awake. 
Its teeth looked abnormally human, and so did its eyes. It eventually walked away, but its hooves looked like feet. I can say by now, I was very shook. I got up and went back to my room. When morning swung around, I woke up and threw on my shoes and ran outside to where the whack animal was. And sure enough, there were hoof tracks that stopped and turned into hand and footprints. I freaked out and woke up my mom and dad to show them. They were confused by it, so we found the star guide park ranger and asked him about the footprints. He wanted to see, so we took him over, and he took a nice long good look at them and said, Well, I'll be damned. I thought the other rangers were crazy when they told me they saw a skinwalker. Turns out they were right. Apparently this thing has been around for a while and is known among the other rangers. So we all went to the museum and talked to one of the Native American female rangers. She explained the history of skinwalkers, which is a type of harmful witch who has the ability to turn into, possess, or disguise themselves as any animal. And she said she's seen this one a few times while on duty. This takes place four or five years ago while my construction crew and I were working by House Rock Valley near the Grand Canyon. This area is completely isolated and desolate, with the only defining features being the mountain range that runs parallel to the road we were taking, and the abundance of sagebrush. The night sky is so uncontaminated by light pollution that the Milky Way is completely bright and visible when the weather is clear. This was one of those nights. The late spring night was crisp, and the full moon overhead worked with my headlights as the only source of illumination. One crew member was with me in my truck, as we headed towards the cabins in which we would be staying the duration of the job. It was around 9pm as we drove down the seemingly endless dirt road, and the trip had been long and uneventful up until this point. Off to the right was a man in the desert, just walking. He was probably 50 feet away from the truck and was going in the direction that we had just come from. My crew member began freaking out because he doesn't tolerate spooky stuff much, and this was a completely random and bizarre thing to be happening out there. Like I said previously, there is nothing out there. No shopping centers, residential areas, or anything of the sort. At this point, we were about 100 miles away from the nearest town. It's a very barren area that only outdoorsy, camping-type people desire to adventure. It seemed like the man was wearing average clothes, and we couldn't tell his ethnicity or what he looked like. We couldn't really see his face for that matter, even with how much the moon lit up the land. Another thing to mention was that he had no gear with him whatsoever. He wasn't a hiker or a camper, because he didn't have a backpack or even a water bottle. He had nothing that would help him survive against the terrain, elements, hunger and dehydration, or the very dangerous wildlife in the area. Not only did it strike me as odd that he was extremely far away from civilization without any equipment, but he also didn't raise his head, acknowledge us, or even look in the direction of our vehicle at all. I mean, sure, yeah, you're not just going to wave at a truck in the middle of the night in the middle of nowhere but you think he would have made some sort of movement that showed that he knew we were there. It was like he was completely unfazed, as if our truck didn't exist to him at all. And if he was in need of help or a ride, 
I would think he would have made it known to us and try to flag us down or something. As we passed, we saw him in the rear mirrors until we eventually lost sight. We arrived at the cabin shortly after and tried to forget the encounter. Another thing about this place is that it isn't some traveler's destination or resort or anything. There's not even a front desk, just a few houses. So we were quite literally the only people out there. Or so we thought. About 30 minutes after we had unloaded the truck and settled in, we began hearing tapping on the windows. It wasn't consistent though, like tap, 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 and then minutes between. In the time it would stop, we would hear footsteps around the cabin as if the person, or whatever it was, was circling the perimeter. After 10 minutes of this, I was tired of my crew member overreacting and telling me that we're going to die. I told him it was probably an animal, but even I didn't believe that. The walking definitely sounded like something bipedal. No rustling or scurrying. And the taps were by human fingers. By this point, I had enough of the tapping and of my crew member, so I decided to finally check. When I went outside, I was shocked. I didn't see anything. There was nothing. My brain couldn't process that there was nothing at all, since we both knew something was right outside. I checked the entire area of the cabin along with the surrounding desert, but still, nothing at all. I went back inside to my crew member's wide eyes and him asking me what I saw. I said that we were fine and that we should get some sleep. But then, it began again. The tapping and walking were intermittent. No pattern or rhythm, really. Sometimes there would be three or five taps. Sometimes they would walk around one side of the structure for longer. This happened for probably ten more minutes until there was just silence the rest of the night. There was no vehicle that drove this person away. They just seemingly walked off. It makes me wonder if it was the same person that we had seen earlier and he had just followed us. Although it would have taken a human walking a lot longer to arrive at the cabin than it took us. I was told this may be a skinwalker, but I'm not sure. Maybe it was something supernatural or maybe it was just some freak out in the middle of the desert. All of this did happen on Native American land, but at any rate, it's something my crew member and I still try to forget about to this day. I'm from a cattle and sheep ranch in Montana. I also have four saddle horses. The ranch that my cousin and I own is about 4,700 acres, comprising a flat crop and hayfield stretching on both sides of the Yellowstone River. The ranch is located 11 miles northeast of the town of Savage. We rent a ranch that's 38 miles upriver from us. That is where the incident occurred. The leased ranch is huge, comprising of over 13,000 acres. The folks that own it are multimillionaires from Oregon who only visit a few times a year. The ranch has very rough terrain and three small creeks running through it. On the very northwest corner, the land flattens out and there is an old corral system. There is also a long, vacant house nearby in a draw. We had leased this ranch since the mid-2000s and had no trouble up until about five years ago. It is normal to lose a few cows in the Yellowstone breaks, 
but we've lost 130 since 2016. Around half of these cattle we were able to locate. The animals that we found were pretty eaten up by coyotes, but a few we found were not. These carcasses looked a lot like cattle mutilations, with the skin around the eyes, the ears, and udder completely missing. It was highly unusual to lose this many cattle as they were home throughout the winter, and there are no predators in eastern Montana that could kill a full-grown cow. All of the cattle that went missing were cows, and always between three and five years old. This event took place in the end of June last year. We had trucked the cattle to the ranch two weeks prior and I was checking in on them that day. Usually my cousin or his son ride with me, but they were moving the irrigation pivot that day, so I was all alone. I parked my pickup next to the corrals and unloaded my horse. This was around 9.30 a.m. My horse's name is Ace. He was a very large horse that weighed a whole ton and he stood 19 hands tall. Ace was not very quick or fast, but he had great endurance and you could ride him all throughout the day in the roughest country and he wouldn't tire. It was a pretty usual day up until around 1 p.m. when I saw something that just didn't belong. About a mile away, I could see an animal bounding up a hill. My initial reaction was that it was a deer because it was almost as big as one, but it had the proportions like a mountain lion. I tried to ride closer to whatever it was, but I couldn't find it. It was odd, but not that crazy, so I just put the thought into the back of my mind. The day continued normally until I returned to my pickup and trailer. As I went to load Ace, I noticed that the rear axle on the trailer had just come apart. Keep in mind that I hadn't used it until earlier that morning, so there was no reason for this to happen. It was getting pretty late. It was around 8, and it took an hour and a half to get back to the house, so I decided to leave Ace in the trailer there and take the pickup home. The corral fence was all right, but the gate latch had rusted shut to where you couldn't close it. I had a roll of barbed wire in the pickup, so I used that to secure the gate after I put Ace into it. As I drove home, I noticed a few large lights in the complete opposite direction from the corrals. They resembled a combine's lights even though they were farther apart and brighter. Also, there would be no reason for a combine to be up there. I arrived home at about 10.30 without having any trouble. The next morning, my cousin, his son, and I all rode up together to fix the axle and get Ace back. When we finally got to the corrals, we saw that Ace wasn't there. The wire holding the gate shut had not been meddled with, so there was no logical way that he could have escaped. The corral had not been used in decades, so there was grass growing inside, but that day, the grass was all turned up and you could see where Ace had been running around for a while. This was unusual, as Ace was always a calm and quiet horse. We looked for him the whole day and couldn't find him, but we were severely limited because we were afoot. The next day, me and my cousin's son returned with the fixed trailer and two horses to continue the search for Ace. I also brought my dog Daisy. We split up to cover the ground and every two hours we would meet up. Around three in the afternoon, while I was riding the rim of a steep wooded draw, Daisy suddenly scurried down into the draw. 
I tied the horse I was riding to an old cedar tree and followed Daisy down. The sides of the straw were incredibly steep, and I was struggling to make it down on foot. For a horse as big as Ace, it would be completely impossible. As I got to the bottom, I could smell something dead, and I immediately knew it was Ace. He had not been touched by predators, but was heavily mutilated. He had the same mutilation as the cattle, with the skin around the eyes being gone, as well as the skin around the lips. However, his back legs were completely free of flesh and was just bone. His ribcage was also opened up, with all of his organs being gone. As I looked around, I could see the skeletons of at least three cows, and it was obvious that this was some type of dumping ground for whatever this was. I was completely dumbfounded on what happened. There was no way that Ace could have gotten down there by himself, so he must have been carefully placed. I'd also like to mention that where he was found was a whole two miles away from the corrals. Nothing was adding up. And besides, I had just lost my favorite horse. I sadly returned to the spot where me and my cousin's son were going to meet up, and we both rode back to the pickup. After talking to my cousin, we decided not to renew our lease. Our current lease will expire in 2022. My cousin's son spends a lot of time on the internet and thought it sounded very similar to what happened at Skinwalker Ranch in Utah. For the past months, I have been studying what happened, but have been unable to come up with a definitive answer, so I posted it here in hopes that someone could make sense of it. I live near a very large, very popular national park. Locals here, like myself, are pretty aware of the goings-on near here. Strange sounds, strange creatures, and strange disappearances. I've dealt with these myself in the past on hikes and even just relaxing in the park. Here is one that still freaks me out to this day. I was at my grandma's house that's deep in the boonies. The only road there is a gravel road that's pretty much washed away so without a good car, you're not getting out there anyway. My cousins lived in a trailer with their mom right below my grandma's. We played all sorts of games, which mainly involved me getting chased as I was the youngest. My grandma was in the hospital with my aunt, so our older cousin, who I'll name Dee, had to watch us. Dee was, and still is, the only cousin that's older than us, that we still hold in high regard. He would mess with us and play around, but actually cared about us. The whole day we spent playing around, but we would usually play more at night, like hide-and-seek, tag, etc. We had been playing pretty far away from the house, and it was starting to get dark. We decided to go back to the house and grab flashlights and play manhunt. Of course, I was the one being hunted. I ran pretty far into the woods and on the other side of the property, and hid behind a log. I heard my cousins getting pretty close, so I ran, and they saw me. We ended up running to the very back of the property line, almost a mile from the house, and we saw my cousin D. He looked at us and kind of growled, and we ran from him, thinking it was a game. We ran back onto the gravel road, and we saw him walk out of the tree line, but he did it in a weird, kind of gloatingly way. 
We then ran into the house and decided to barricade the door to play a prank on him. We moved a couple of things in front of the door, but decided to move the big coffee table in front of it too. As we loudly scooted the table across the floor, Dee came into the living room from the master bedroom, rubbing his eyes. We had obviously woken him up from all of the movement and he was mad. We told him about seeing him chase us and he got wide-eyed. He told us to go to our bedroom and stay there. We sat in the bedroom for about 20 minutes and he came in and told us not to worry. He said that it was just him scaring us and we went on with the night. It wasn't until about three years later, when I was 13, that he decided to tell me the truth. He said that it was a skinwalker and that he's dealt with them since he was my age. I'm a vet student. My university is on top of a hill and outside of town. From my dorm window on the seventh floor, I can see huge wheat fields in the nearby forest. My first encounter was two years ago. I have a German Shepherd, Hades, and a Husky Pup, Ragnar. That day I left university quite late. It was already dark outside. Usually I don't mind taking them out at night. At night, I can let them run around without their leashes. They are trained, and I know that they're going to listen to me. Besides, I knew everyone knew them and wouldn't hurt them even if they were left outside. They have collars that light up, since Hades is fully black and Ragnar is fully white, which makes it hard to see them during the winter. But with their collars, I could see them all the time. We walked around for a while, and they were playing and running around. At some point... Hades stopped and started growling, looking into the wheat fields down the hill. I didn't think about it. There were bats, owls, and other critters around us. I leashed them, not wanting to run after them if they decided to chase something. After half an hour of non-stop growling, I had enough of it and decided to take Hades home and go out so Ragnar can run around a bit more. I got home and expected him to go in his cage. He likes sleeping there. That night, though, all he did was stand at the window looking out. Since the pup was whining and wanting to go out again, I tried to drag Hades in the cage and lock him in until I got back. Who knew, maybe he might try to go out the window or something. But then I got a look out the window. On the parking lot below, I saw a black figure circling the cars. Thinking it might be someone trying to steal, I got a flashlight and shone at it. It wasn't a thief. It wasn't human at all. It looked up, its eyes reflecting the light from the flashlight. It was black, its head looking very similar to Hades. It was on all fours, but when I shone the light, it stood up. The roofs of the car were barely reaching its midsection. It let out a growl, which I later learned that many of the tenants heard. Hades went wild trying to bust out of the cage. Ragnar was whining even louder. I realized he didn't want to go out, and he was trying to get as far away from the window as possible. The growl made me flinch, and I dropped the flashlight through the window. I tried to see it again, but it was too dark. I heard the crunching of snow as it left. The next morning, I went to find my flashlight and found huge dog-like footprints in the snow and a foul smell still lingering. 
I borrowed infrared binoculars from a hunter friend of mine. Ever since then, I have seen it in the forest, crossing the field and coming near the hill and looking up. My roommate and I have been taking turns keeping watch at night when Hades starts growling. I don't take the dogs out at night, and Ragnar doesn't play and run around anymore. He just stays pressed against my feet. I am a girl and I live in North Carolina. I was 15 at the time of my encounter and was definitely not a believer in anything supernatural, paranormal, or anything of the sort. It happened while I was at a local summer camp. There was absolutely nothing special about that day. No weird lights, people, animals, sounds, nothing. It was just the same camp schedule as I'd grown used to in the past two weeks I'd been there. My age group had just finished lunch and was able to persuade our counselor to let us play a game called Scatter down by the lake. It's like a giant hide-and-seek in the woods. Now, we had played this at least 20 times before that day, and nothing weird happened to any of us. We all grew up playing in the woods, so it's not like we had an aversion or fear of it. But for some reason that day, when our counselor shouted, Scatter, and I ran to find a hiding place, it became a whole new ball game. I had run as far as I could while still being able to see the lake, as were the rules, and had found a huge old uprooted tree that I decided would be a perfect hiding place. So I laid down as close as I could against the ground and waited. I had been there for about five minutes, when suddenly I heard a voice calling my name in a weird dreamy-like voice. And it wasn't just any voice. It was my mom's. Now, my mom and I are extremely close, thick as thieves, so I'd know her voice anywhere, and I would swear on my own grave that it was without a doubt hers. But I knew it couldn't be her, as she was 20 miles away at work, and even if it had actually been her and she'd come to pick me up, the voice wasn't coming from the lake. It was coming from farther out in the woods, beyond the border of the camp. I knew I should have run away from the strange mimic mom voice, but I couldn't. It was almost hypnotic. It messed with my thoughts and gave me doubts like, well, it could be mom, or what if she's hurt? And I have to get to her. All of these things were flooding into my mind like someone had broken a dam I didn't know was there, until they finally overwhelmed me and emotions got the better of me, and I took off running in the direction the voice was coming from. I ran as far as I could with only this strange voice as my guide. I couldn't have run for more than five or seven minutes when I got to a clearing and the voice suddenly stopped. When I entered the clearing and didn't hear my mom's voice calling me anymore, I could finally think again and started to have little alarm bells go off inside my head, saying, You idiot! Or, That's not mom! And, Run! But I couldn't run. I didn't know where to run. I had gotten so far away that I lost sight of the lake and had absolutely no idea where I was. And I was completely exhausted to boot. With no other option than to just sit and catch my breath, I did just that. No sooner had I sat down, more warning bells went off in my mind. 
I quickly did a 360 survey around the clearing and noticed a strange noise. It wasn't the continuation of the voice before. No, it was the distinct sound of chattering teeth, like if you were cold, only there was no one else around and it was the middle of June in North Carolina. There is no way someone could be cold. And that's when I heard it. Leaves and sticks crunch on the edge of the small clearing. And I realized something was watching me. Then whatever it was moved and in fast circles around the clearing, almost like it was circling prey. And it was at that moment that I knew whatever it was had led me out there to get me away from the rest of the group. Exactly like the predator, my instincts had been screaming at me that it was. Without any other option than try and escape, I took off in the direction I thought I came from and sprinted as fast as I could, all while still hearing the chattering of teeth and sticks crunching behind me. I didn't know what to do and I didn't dare turn around and see what was chasing me. I knew that if I did, I would slow down and I absolutely would not do that. It felt like a lifetime running away from this thing before I finally saw the lake. And even though I didn't think I could, I ran faster than I ever have in my life when I broke the tree line and ran to the lake where I knew my friends were. At that point, I felt safe enough to stop and look back and see just what had been chasing me. But when I did, I only saw a fleeting form running back the way I had come and the distant sound of chattering teeth. When I finally found my counselor, I was hysterical with fear and hugged her as tight as I could. When I calmed down, she tried to get me to tell her what happened, but I just asked, were you calling my name? Before she even said anything, I already knew the answer. After all, it had been my mom's voice that led me away from everyone else. But what she replied with was much more bone chilling. She told me, no one called for you. We didn't know you were gone. Everyone is still hiding. The game isn't over yet. 